The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Going to bring you another good show. We had a good time handicapping last week with Ed Meyer and came up with a few winners thanks to Steady Eddie. We'll be reviewing those races. Of course, it came up a little sloppy down at Gulfstream. It may have affected the outcome of some of those races in the Florida Sunshine Millions. So we'll take a look at the races that we handicapped. And then coming up, our handicapper this week from the Blood Horse magazine, one of our favorite guests, the news editor of the Blood Horse, will be Tom Lamara. We're going to break down a couple races from Gulfstream Park, one that has points for the Kentucky Derby, and that is going to be the Holy Bull. Grade 3 going a mile on the 16th, and what a talented cast it's brought together. We had the Eclipse on Saturday. Eclipse Award winner Shanghai Bobby, who was a slam dunk, will be going to post along the rail in the Holy Bull. But some of the top potential upsetters in North America will be in the gate with them. They're not ducking them. Out of the Kentucky Jockey Club, the grade two is Frack Daddy and Dewey Square. Of course, uh, Uncaptured won that race, and Uncaptured is one of the top favorites right now in the early book for the Kentucky Derby. And in addition to Shanghai Bobby, Frack Daddy, and Dewey Square is a horse that I thought was absolutely tremendous in the Delta jackpot against Golden Sense, and that was Burn Identity, who was absolutely flying in the lane after being parked six wide. And in a race like this, you're guaranteed some speed, but, well, let's not give away all the handicapping yet. But nonetheless, we're going to be looking at a really top three-year-old race, the Holy Bull, and we're going to stick around Gulfstream Park for the forward gale that's brought together some uh, talented misses and a mystery horse coming up from Puerto Rico. Uh, out at Santa Anita, it's going to be the Grade 2 Santa Monica, another seven-furlong affair. And then from the fairgrounds, a very interesting race, and it is going to be the Van Berg. That's right. This is the first edition of the Van Berg, and in celebration of that, our first guest will be Hall of Fame trainer Jack Van Berg. So get tied on. We're going to have a good winning ponies. Well, as you know, the Eclipse Awards were over the weekend, and there was one, sad to say, major thing that was missing from the Eclipse Awards, and that was the leading rider, Ramon Dominguez. Uh, the news out of New York is that he suffered a slightly displaced skull fracture. It was in a spill last Friday. Um, his mount convocation clipped heels with a horse in front of him. Uh, he was hurled to the ground and appeared to get hit by a trailing horse. Now, they have moved him 
uh, from Jamaica Medical Center and Hospital in Queens to New York Presbyterian Medical Center in Manhattan, uh, according to his wife. And uh, he has been in intensive care. In addition to the fractured skull, Dominguez suffered a badly bruised right eye. Again, he does continue to be in intensive care. Uh, they're asking people not to try to visit, but if you want to send a card, you certainly can send one in care of Aqueduct Jocks quarters, and they will get it to him. Of course, uh, Dominguez has been the leading rider on the New York circuit for the last four years. So sad that he couldn't be there for the Eclipse Award. A deserved uh, honor for sure. He uh, set a North America earnings record in 2012, 25,582,000, winning 341 races. He ranks 27th all-time in wins with 4,984 and 14th all-time in money won. So, again, good luck and fast healing to Ramon Dominguez. Well, most of the experts we've been talking to over the last month when queried on who they like for Horse of the Year kind of came up with Wise Dan, and so did the voters. Uh, he was uh, named a 2012 Horse of the Year, and not only that, won several divisions. He won the Older Male and Male Turf Eclipse Awards. Now, that's kind of interesting. There's room for debate. You, you had uh, uh, Fort Larned. Uh, a lot of people thought that that, that he might garner um, Older Male, and uh, but nonetheless, this would be the first time since 1981 when a horse by the name of John Henry did the same thing. So uh, the, the, the five-year-old Wise Dan got the job done, trained by Chuck Lepresti. Fantastic job. Uh, looks like he's going to be around. He is a gelding, so he should be with us, and hopefully we're going to see this champion on the track again this year. Uh, let's go quickly look at some of the other divisions. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Shanghai Bobby uh, got two-year-old male. Beholder got two-year-old Philly. I, I kind of was thinking Cowie Katie might get it. We're going to see her going to post over the weekend. And Beholder since had been upset out at Santa Anita. Three-year-old male, well, he's over in Japan now, but when he was in the United States, he was the best three-year-old, and that's I'll have another. The three-year-old Philly was questing. Of course, already mentioned why Dan got older male. Older female, this had to be a slam dunk, and that would be Royal Delta. Male sprinter, pretty good Trinenberg. Uh, I think he was uh, definitely the fastest in, in the country and a good vote. A groupie doll, who we'll hear a little bit more about later in the program, got female sprinter. Again, male turf horse was Wise Dan. Uh, the French bred Zagora got female turf horse, and a steeplechase horse was Pierrot Lunaire. And uh, leading owner was Godolphin Racing. Leading breeder was Darley. Again, Ramon took the top jock and the top apprentice, Jose Montano, and certainly, uh, deservedly so, Dale Romans uh, took down the uh, top trainer's position. So that's a look at the Eclipse Awards. They're over now. Of course, uh, the uh, Daily Racing Forum allowed you to vote on your Eclipse Award winners, and uh, quite frankly, the, the voters were uh, pretty much dead on. Uh, they only changed in uh, the three-year-old filly. They went with uh, Miss Oriala. Other than that, uh, they, they, were, they were right there uh, with the, the uh, voters from the National Turf Riders Association and those with the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, good news uh, out of New York and that is that the Naira handle is outpacing the nations. We said last week that the nation closed up just a percent. Well, all sources handle in New York was up 11.8 
percent. Pretty good. Of course, we know that uh, the alternative gaming in New York has certainly helped the purses, but, uh, boy, what a jump. And all I can say is uh, we're seeing more and more stallions go to New York. I think you're going to see better broodmare bands, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the years ahead as the money continues to to roll in. Well, uh, if you've got a nice three-year-old in the barn, uh, you've only got to to Saturday uh, to nominate. Uh, you can you can get in to pay a fee of six hundred, and shame on you if you were late because a late nomination fee is six thousand, and that'll open up uh, on starting on Sunday, and it'll run through Saturday. So you, if you got a nice three year old in the barn, you better get that postmarked uh, by Saturday. Of course, uh, the, the the point system is is in effect uh, this year. Uh, the Kentucky Derby field, that's limited to 20 starters and has been since 1975. Um, the field for the Preakness is limited to 14, and the uh, Belmont Stakes allows 16 horses to go to post. Well, we mentioned uh, champion Groupie Doll, and last week we said she came to Florida and was put back into training, which is pretty exciting to get to see her race again. But uh, it looks like uh, they're going to back off it. Uh, Buff Bradley just uh, said she appeared to be off her game in recent days at Gulfstream Park, and uh, she's probably going to go back to his farm outside of Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, They, of course, had her checked from top to bottom, and the veterinary exam said no injury, no illness, but uh, Buff Bradley, one sharp horseman, said uh, he just didn't like what he saw. So uh, she'll go back and... um, hang out with Brass Hat in the paddock for a while. Uh, he just does not want to jeopardize her in any way by, by forcing her to race. Uh, he just feels it's a good decision, and anybody that's uh, connected with the horse uh, agrees with Buff Bradley. That was probably the best thing uh, to back off her. Well, uh, it's good to be named Ortiz uh, because the Ortiz brothers are, are winning more than John and Jim Harbaugh right now. Uh, they have absolutely turned uh, New York uh, upside down. And uh, so if you're, if you're betting in your Nor- New York and you want the name Ortiz on your horse, I'm trying to think at one point uh, they, died. Um, they won the seven races on one day, and then uh, uh, Irod Ortiz uh, won five, including the Jimmy Winkfield Stakes. Uh, so once again, when you're betting in New York, look for the name Ortiz. All right, the Kentucky Derby point leaders, uh, they continue to be uh, Golden Sense with 24, Shanghai Bobby with 20. Then you've got Oxbow, as we talked about last week, just put in a powerful race for D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, the undefeated Violence, overanalyzed, uncaptured, who won the Jockey Club, and we'll see how the horses that ran second and third behind him uh, do this weekend. And you got Power Broker, Steeler, will take charge, another D. Wayne Lucas a trainee. So uh, we'll ch- take charge, raced on Monday and was uh, very impressive in the Smarty Jones. And uh, this is another horse out of, out of uh, take charge Indy. So uh, she's turning out to be one heck of a broodmare. Again, uh, Oxbow, he came out of the LeCompte, one of the races that we uh, selected last week. And uh, it was uh, just a uh, 
an awesome performance, again, in the hands of D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, this horse came out of the cash call Futurity in December behind Violence. Uh, it's a son of awesome again, and he was absolutely awesome in the LeCompte. So we'll probably see him down at the fairgrounds in the series of races leading up to the Louisiana Derby, especially since uh, Lucas now is going to try to have to keep uh, his uh, two-year-olds uh, away from each other, you know. <laughs> Lucas, uh, you, you got to love his quotes here. He said, uh, this was a great weekend, and we're grateful for it. Things came together, but it's January 22nd, and humility's only one race away. <laughs> Fantastic quote by Dwayne Lucas. All right, again, it got muddy at Gulfstream Park. One of the best rematches of the week was going to be Mucho Macho Man and Ron the Greek. Ed picked Ron the Greek. I picked Mucho Macho Man. But when I got to the races, I changed my mind because Ron the Greek was 9-2 to two and Mucho Macho Man was 4-5. to five. We said that they only looked heads apart on paper. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, Ron the Greek was absolutely awesome. Meanwhile, Mucho Macho Man finished up the track. Cause for concern? Well, Kathy Ritvo says no. Uh, it was uh, the first time with blinkers, though she doesn't think that was the problem. But it was the muddy track, something she just felt like he did not take to it all. Of course, when he ran in the Belmont on a sloppy track, he finished 24 and a half lengths up the track. So glad to hear that uh, there is no injury involved with Mucho Macho Man. Uh, earlier on the card, uh, we played the uh, Sunshine Millions uh, distaff, and the winner in here was the horse we picked, Swan Song. Uh, just a rated beautiful on the rail, slipped through and just dominated. So successful song comes home for trainer Edward Plesa and jockey Joel Rosario. Uh, speakeasy Gal was a distant second, while my pal Chrissy was third. And then at Santa Anita, it was upset time. Uh, everybody was betting on private zone, common to the top, and drill. But it did not happen. It was upset time with Sahara Sky, who was off seven months. She was working very well for trainer Jerry Hollendorfer. Got the job done. Her first graded stakes win. That was in the Palos Verdes. Well, we've got a lot coming up on Winning Ponies. And right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Hall of Fame trainer Jack Van Berg, who has a new book in the works, Jack from Grit to Glory. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a 
seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I've been excited all week about this interview uh, with me right now is, is a gentleman who's in the Racing Hall of Fame, as is his father in the Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, for 19 straight years, between 59 and 77, Jack Van Berg was the leading trainer at Axar Bend in Omaha, Nebraska. And then in 1976, he set a record for most wins in a year with 496. He was named the champion trainer, winning the Eclipse Award that year. Of course, uh, many people will remember him as the, the, the trainer of uh, Gate Dancer and Ali Sheba. Uh, something close to my heart that in 87 he received the Big Sport of Turfdom Award as the former president of the Turf Publicist. In 1985, he was inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame. I could go on and on, but uh, I, I want to get to Jack. He's, he's, he's won over 6,400 races. On the phone with us right now from the West Coast, it's Jack Van Berg. Jack, how are you doing? Fine, John. Fine. Thank you very much for having me. So. Well, this will be interesting. I know the book isn't isn't out, uh, but uh, we'll, we're going to be keeping an eye out for it, and uh, hopefully, maybe we'll have uh, you or uh, Chris on, on the show who's helping author the book with you. But uh, th- there's so much I need to know about Jack Van Berg. I mean, obviously, you were born into the game. Uh, your father, Marion, was a Hall of Famer. Uh, what were what were what was Jack Van Berg like as a kid? Well, what was it like growing up? Did you did you grow up on the cattle farm? Well, no, we had a livestock auction in Columbus, Nebraska. And uh, I grew up in the summertime walking hot for my dad because when the school was out, I'd have to go back to Detroit. And then I'd come home for school and I'd work at the sale barn in the auction ring when school was on. I'd have to come home right after school. On Friday, we had hog sales. Saturday, we had cattle sale. And then I went my freshman year at University of Nebraska I got beat two points for all-around cowboy. I was riding bulls and barebacks when I transferred to Colorado A&M because they had a rodeo team. I really got on the rodeo team, but I got uh, academic dismissal the first quarter. So oh, did you really? I didn't make that when I come home. And, and uh, I'd always went over to the auction ring and practiced, turned the microphones on, the lights, and practiced auctioneering. My brother Bud helped me because he was auctioneering, and... Uh, so I was home about oh, two weeks from school, and my dad said, you got to work. You can't, you know, you're too dumb to go to school. Get out of that bed in the morning. So I got up, and about 10 o'clock one Saturday night, after I was home two weeks, he said, get up there and auction air. I was scared to death, John, <laughs> but I did it. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I saw an old Ben Herbert Tanner cow for 13 Back in them days, you went by $13 a hundred and then 10, you know, I was going 13, 10, blah, 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 30, blah, 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 And I got to 14 and I jumped a dollar. And my dad bumped me, he was beside me. 
I was nervous. He said, son, you jumped a dollar. I said, oh, shit, right over that microphone. <laughs> he said, we don't talk like that around here. So anyway, that was my first time, and then I started auctioneering for all the time. And I sold Denver Stock Show and the Bell Ringer sales out there for about three years. And I sold down sales in Kansas and western Nebraska. Well, now, now your father uh, was uh, obviously quite the, the, the trainer of himself. He was the nation's leading owner in victories 14 times, 11 in a row from 60 to 70. He was also the, the leading money-winning owner four times. So did you uh, start out as a trainer working under your father? Yeah, I got my first trainer's license when I was 15. <laughs> I and didn't know I, you could. I worked for my dad. That was the only person I ever worked for was my father until he passed away. I worked with him and and the horses, and he was a genius with horses. I, he was a perfectionist. And he could look at the horse and tell you more just looking at him than most people could if they slept with him. So, <laughs> with the horse. Well, I heard from a couple of people this week, uh, namely Chris McCarron and Frankie Brothers, that that you uh, you learned pretty well that that you're pretty darn, darn good eye on a horse yourself to get six thousand wins. Um, uh, just a, an, an amazing skill. Now, with, with what your father passed on to you, you obviously not only became a great learner, but I can tell from the people that have graduated from uh, the Jack Van Berg School of Training uh, that you're, you're a pretty damn good teacher, too. For, for those that don't know, outstanding trainers such as Frankie Brothers and another Hall of Famer, Bill Mott, uh, came up under the, the shed row with Jack Van Berg. Frankie Brothers last week said he was just dying to get into racing down at the fairgrounds and he asked around, and anybody says, well, if you want to go to the best, try to see if you can't get a hold of Mr. Jack Van Berg. He said he walked up to you, asked you for a job, and you handed him a shank, and he's been in the game ever since. Do you remember working uh, the early days with, with Frankie and Bill Mott? Do I remember. I remember very well. Frankie is a very good man, but his dad was having problems with him. Frankie didn't want to work. He was an electric. His dad was an electric business. Frankie didn't like it. Of course, he showed horses, and his dad went to the tack man there, which was a good friend of mine, Charlie Tuset. And he said, "I want my son loves these horses. He wants to get in." And Charlie said, "We'll send him to Jack Vanberg. If he can't straighten him out, nobody can." <laughs> Frank, Frank come to work for me, and and uh, started walking hots, and started grooming, and started galloping horses, and. Uh, when we first become my shed row forward right in New Orleans, a guy would walk in and be 10 minutes late, he'd fire him. I finally told him one day, I said, Frank, you're the next guy you fire. I'm going to put nails in the shed row and make you walk barefooted. I'm tired of this. Somebody's five minutes late. He was tough. He was tough <laughs> on the boy when he started it. Well, I think he said and, he learned he, that he from a, at the foot of the master being you. Well, he become a very good horseman and, uh, and learned uh, some diplomacy about how to keep your... Uh, people working for you and liking you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, now, what about some insight he, uh, into Bill Mott? Well, Billy Mott was a good man. Billy Billy was a very good horseman. Uh, he was very laid back, very easy going, don't get in a rush with any horses or anything. And uh, he's a very good horseman. There's another boy that's leading trainer in Chicago for the last few years, Wayne Catalano. I took him when he was 14 and a half. Made him leading bug rider of the country. He went... 1970-some races, 1,792 races. 
And then he's with a bunch of trainers, been leading trainer Wayne Catalano. He's a good horseman. But I've, I've had a lot of them. I feel this way. My dad taught me everything. And I, when somebody comes to work for me, John, I tell them, when I get done with them, if they can't train a horse or gallop a horse or ride a horse, they're just too damn dumb to learn. <laughs> so I don't hold nothing back. I show them everything. And Wayne's brother, Joe, he was a good rider himself. I taught him. And little boy's leading rider at Hot Springs in Iowa, Terry Thompson. Oh, yeah. I took him. His, his mother was working at uh, United Airlines in Omaha and asked me if Said her son wanted to be a jockey, never been around a horse in his life. I took him to the farm in Kentucky. You know, Dale Romans owns my farm in Kentucky. I called him, congratulate him on his Eclipse. I told him that farm has produced two Eclipse trainers now. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, now, Jack, uh, you know, what, what, what Frankie was telling me was that, you know, how, what a great feel uh, you have, just, just second nature for a horse. And I, I just want to touch on Ali Sheba for a while because when I was looking over Ali Sheba's uh, uh, past performances, uh, I noticed that it, it took him a little while to break his maiden. Uh, finally, uh, uh, you had the top jocks on, like, like Pat Day, and then finally got turned over to McCarran. Um, when did you feel that Ali Sheba was something special? Well, I felt like that when I left the farm in Kentucky when his two-year-old when we broke it. He'd gallop around my training center in Kentucky, that five-eighths a mile track with four or five other horses. And one time around five-eighths, just galloping normal, not trying to run off, he'd be an eighth a mile in front of everybody else. Just galloping just the way he went and everything. And I told people when he was a two-year-old that I'd win the door. You know, you you think that a lot of times, but they got to stay sound and everything's got to go right. But I said, if nothing happens, I'll win the derby. So... <laughs> And before the right derby, about that. before the derby, people asked me. I said I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the derby. So that horse, could, he never got the credit, John, that he deserved. He could do things you can't believe. It's so easy. If they'd have raised him as a five-year-old, there's nobody that would ever beat him. He was getting so mature. Well, I was I was there the day he set the all-time money-winning record up for any thoroughbred. So uh, yeah, I would I would believe it. As I recall, the, the the Belmont Surface came up bad that year, and I think a lot of people feel that's maybe the reason he wasn't a Triple Crown winner. Jack, I, I get this question all the time. Oh, that ain't the reason, John. I got to correct you there. Oh, really? What, 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 no. what do you feel it was? I had a, like an old Ford car uh, malfunction, Chris. He was worried about klepto clearance because they said he should have won the Derby, should have won the Preakness. Chris was watching for him and wasn't paying attention. I told Chris in the paddock, I said, this horse will be in front every step away today. And he broke two lengths in front. And he sat there and choked him, choked him, choked him. And, and a year later, and when Chris looked at me, he looked like I was nothing. I said, Chris, I know him better than the back of my hand. A year later, when he set the track record in the Woodward, the Belmont Park, Chris come back, stood up the side and said, Jack, this sounds gun can gallop faster than they run. I said, I told you that a year ago. You're a year late, five minutes short. Well, so, I, I noticed that you stuck Chris with Chris. Made a mistake. Chris made a mistake, and he admits he made a mistake. He was watching for Clepto Clarence. I know, sure. And well, then he got run up, gone west his rear at the head of the lane, turned completely sideways in the racetrack. So it wasn't the service. Where he well, burned his heels. 
a question I get asked a lot, and, I, and I'm going to put this in your court because you, you know way better than me, is people come up to me or people call the radio show and say, how come there hasn't been a Triple Crown winner since 1978? What would your, your response be to that? Well, if the, number one, you gotta, they can have all the talent in the world, okay? Then, but you got to keep them sound. they got to be sound. And then you got your jockey can't make any mistakes. And when you go to that mile and a half, they can make mistakes. They're going a mile and a half. It's a whole different race. Uh, in Alashiva's case, I didn't know before, but after the Greg Brett told me, Jimmy Crow told him, whenever Alashiva comes up to you, you can start whipping your horse and ride as hard as you can. I don't care where you're at. Well, they galloped the first three quarters. He eased up to him as they took off. You know, and just opened up on everybody. They raced home the last three quarters. But you you got to have everything. You know what my dad always said? You'll take luck over brains any day. <laughs> and uh, you've got to have luck as, as you go. Well, well Jack, in, in your book, uh, From Grit to Glory, uh, are there going to be any, any anything in there that's going to surprise some people? What do you mean surprise them about what? Well, maybe something they didn't know about Jack Van Berg. Well, I've always been pretty open about everything I've done and everything that's went on, and I've tried to tell everybody and explain it to everybody about my life. And, you know, uh, my old Jimmy Eckrash used to tell my dad, he said, Mr. Van Berg, you're trying to kill that kid because my dad's greatest of idle minds and idle hands makes worthless children. And he'd work until you, until you wanted to go to bed. You were looking for a bed to sleep in. So, but, Well, uh all I know is uh, one thing, and I'll, I'll let you go, because I know that this weekend you're, you're heading down uh, to, to New Orleans to help with another fundraiser. Uh, there's going to be the inaugural running of, of the Van Berg Stake, which I believe is named in honor of both you and your father. But one thing Chris McCarron told me about you, he says that the thing that a lot of people may not know about Jack is that he has a wonderful soft underside, and he's very giving of his time. It's nothing that he lets people know about, but that uh, he really uh, – has a soft spot in his heart, even though when people look at him, he's a big, kind of intimidating guy. He said there's definitely a soft spot in Jack Van Berg's heart. Well, that's it with Jack Van Berg. Uh, we're going to be back with Tom Lamara in just a minute. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite people in the racing game. He's the news editor and an award-winning writer for the Blood Horse magazine. You've heard him on these airwaves quite a bit over the years. His name is Tom Lamara. Tom, how are you doing? Um, well, John, how are you doing tonight? Not, not bad at all, not bad at all. I've been able to get down to the races most Saturdays, so I enjoy that. And I've actually been kind of lucky. Uh, the, the weather's eased up in this part of the country on, on most Saturdays, so it's been pretty good. I uh, uh-huh. enjoyed the... Checking out the the Eclipse Awards, uh, I, I know that you're you're able to to vote in there. Um, Wise Dan, obviously, I, most of the people I talked to liked him as Horse of the Year, but you know, I, I must say, it, it seems to me that there there might have been room for another like. Uh, Fort Larned in the older male, and uh, of course the male turf horse. Uh, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking maybe little Mike could get the upset, but uh, anyhow, he pulls off the trifecta and does something nobody's done since John Henry. What, what's your opinion of that? Well, I played Wise Dan across the board myself, so uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I looked at it, and um, yes, he only ran the. Um, the one race on dirt, which was the Stephen Foster, which was a great race. He lost by, I don't know, a neck or a head to Ron the Greek. But I just looked at his body of work, and, you know, it's it's rare to see a horse like that 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 can run exceptionally well on any surface. And he really has a a, a strong turn of foot that you don't see very often. And I figure... You know, he had the credentials, and um, quite frankly, had I not voted for him for um, the, um, oh, let me see, what category was it? The turf? Well, there's older males that I thought Fort Larned had a shot in. Right. The older male, um, my number two horse was Fort Larned. It was pretty close. Um Little Mike, I had as the number two turf horse behind Wise Dan. So did the vet, so did most cl- of the voters. I'm looking at the outcome. But I just decided to just go, you know, with Wise Dan. I just went all in this year. So, well, but, I think it's exciting, you know, you know that we're yeah. going to get to see him back next year. I mean, how often Absolutely. does a horse a year who's crowned and shuffled off to uh, to stud duty somewhere? Well, what's nice about it is is the three horses that we just talked about are all coming back this year. Which yeah, is really good. Absolutely. Well, I was really looking good forward thing. to the return, return of Groupie Doll, but it looks like Buff yeah, Bradley's going to go uh, <laughs> go softly back to Frankfurt. And, uh, and they said they they couldn't really find uh, any hitch in her get along, but she just didn't seem to be herself. That was a pretty quick decision because she'd only been down there about a week and a half or so. I believe so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's clearly not the same thing with Brass Hat, who Bradley, you know, had to stop on multiple times because of, you know, of of real injuries. Uh, of course, he came back and he ran well every time, but this is different, I guess, you know. Um, like he said, she has a lot of value as a broodmare. You know, they own the mare, and, um, you know, he he's very, very cautious, which he should be, and hopefully she'll come back, 
you know, in late spring or early summer, and uh, she'll have at least a couple races before the Breeders' Cup. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure that uh, uh, that he did the right decision. Like you said, he, you know, he, he's, got, he's got the mare. He raised her. He's in no rush. Nobody's pushing his buttons. Another uh, interesting uh, race over the weekend, don't know if you got to see it or not, was the, the Sunshine Million Classic. Man, oh, Ron yeah, the Freak looks like he is on his game. Yes, um, you know, probably the uh, the off-track probably helped him. But, that being said, it was his first race since the Breeders' Cup Classic. And the Breeders' Cup Classic was kind of interesting. As you know, the, the, the track for the Breeders' Cup, actually for both days, the main track anyway, was, uh, was kind of speed-favoring. It wasn't, mm, well... Uh, I really don't know how to describe it. But anyway, Ron the Greek ran, ran fourth in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I think it was nine or ten lengths back. Quite frankly, I think under normal circumstances, he would have been a lot closer. And then, of course, he won the Sunshine Millions uh, Classic quite easily. I expect him to have a really, really good year. And if the track is more fair <laughs> this coming November at Santa Anita, I think he you know, would have a good shot. Well, I was glad to hear that Mucho Macho Man, who appeared to be uh, just about eased uh, through the lane, um, actually Kathy Ripto put him back on the track and said, hey, there's nothing wrong with him, and she just kind of threw that one out to the track surface. So it's kind of neat to see all these older horses coming back to see. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Uh, Mucho Macho Man, I was talking about it with Pete Dank, uh, my co-host on the handicapping show at bloodhorse.com, and you know, we found it out that the horse was blinkers on. You know, he had yeah. raced in blinkers early on, took him off, um, you know, ran exceptionally well. He's five years old now. Blinkers back on, uh, off track probably didn't help either. Just kind of odd. Um, but hopefully the horse will get back on track. All right. Well, listen, speaking of getting back on track, I want to get uh, back on doing some handicapping here. As you know, uh, the yep. point system uh, has kicked in. For uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, Golden Sense and Shanghai Bobby on top. We've already got a chance to see both those horses uh, come back and run. And uh, Shanghai Bobby draws the rail for the Holy Bull. But I'm telling you what, as I look into this field, Tom, it's a pretty deep field, and Shanghai Bobby is going to have his work cut out for him. I, I think grabbing the rail was probably maybe a, a bit of an edge, uh, being a, the, the front runner that he is. But there's at least three other horses here that I think are serious threats. Yes, this is a very good race, I think. Um, it's a mile of 16th, and at Gulfstream Park, of course, they have that very short run into the first turn, so when you're a speed horse who draws inside, I think that would help, unless you're, of course, pressed on the outside by horses who also have speed. Shanghai Bobby, you know, he's undefeated. He's the champion two-year-old male. He's been training well. Uh, for this race, I didn't pick him on top in the handicapping show. I went with Burn Identity. Oh, well, you're looking over um, my shoulder. Yeah, the Kelly Breen-trained uh, horse, who hasn't run since the Delta Jackpot in mid-November, but he's been training well. One thing about the, the Delta Jackpot is, of course, it was won by Golden Sense, who came back and won, as we know, in California, but... The comment line doesn't really reflect the trouble that this horse got into. He had the rail, got shuffled back to ninth and last at the three-quarter pole. And when this horse got loose, he really yes. closed. I think he's primed for this. And, uh, you know, I, 
Shanghai Bobby is a very, very nice horse, but, you know, I, I think this might be the opportunity here to beat him. Yeah, because you you know with, with these horses and you've got other horses, uh, you know like uh, uh, clearly now and, and Deloria Castle may not be all the uh-huh. quality, but they're going to provide uh, some pace up there with Shanghai Bobby. What people have to do, and as you just described beautifully, Tom, was uh, to go back and look at that November seventeenth race at Delta Downs, the Delta Jackpot, visually. This horse, when I saw it, I kind of in the back of my head said, "Hey, that might be my Derby horse." I mean, he was awesome yeah. in the final furlong. Yes, um, you know, and that was his uh, longest race so far. It was a mile sixteenth as well. Of course, that's a bull ring, uh, so maybe the tight turns really didn't help him. Plus, when you get into trouble, a lot of excuses in that race. And I think if he has clear sailing, um, you know, his workouts have been great. I think he's got a good shot in that race. Yeah, and as you know, right now in the early Derby book, uh, I think Uncaptured might be the, the second favorite out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And finishing only a neck behind him was Frack Daddy, and a link and a half behind him was Dewey Square, who's training fantastic at Gulfstream. You certainly can't dismiss either of those two horses. No, actually, uh, Frack Daddy was my second choice. Um, I like the Breen horse, but, you know, it was pretty close. I looked at Frack Daddy and the other horses that ran in the Kentucky Jockey Club, which, of course, that race was panned because of the slow time and the slow fractions, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, look, you know, sometimes on certain days, races just don't pan out concerning, you know, speed, final time and everything. That doesn't bother me. I think that that race was particularly good, um, at least in the context of handicapping this race. Of course, in the future, that may not be the case, but right now, I think that that may be kind of a race to key on. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, uh, it, it's just going to just going to make sure I'm near a television monitor. I can't make it down to Gulfstream Park, sad to say, but uh, this is this is going to be a very interesting race and maybe very telling for the the, the three year old scene. Well, a, a, a horse. Uh, now we'll move forward to the forward gal that's going to be the eighth race on the Gulfstream card, which is a very good one on Saturday. It's the forward gal. It's a grade two, going seven furlongs. And uh, in here was a horse that I thought was going to be much closer in the balloting for Eclipse Award champion, and that's Akawi Katie, who's breaking from the outside. Uh, her only bad race was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Of course, the winner of that race, Beholder, uh, ended up getting the Eclipse. Uh, she comes back in the, what is the prep for the forward gale, the old hat, and turns in a 101 buyer first time out this year. I, I think uh, it, this is definitely her race to lose. Yes, I agree with that. You know, the the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies was a mile of 16th around two turns. She was up there most of the way. She faltered a bit to finish fourth. I, I'm still convinced, or, or I'm still not convinced that she can't go two turns. I don't think that that's really the case at all. But the old hat was six furlongs. She blew their doors off. This is a seven furlong race. This is a watcher for me because I'm not going to bet against her, but I'm not going to bet her at one or two to five. But I think no. she's a very, very good filly. 
Well, there, there cert- certainly is a very talented filly in there, and Rudy Rodriguez is my happy face, uh, who won the grade three tempted at Aqueduct. It came up ahead short uh, in, in the grade one for Zet at, at Belmont after breaking uh-huh. her maiden by 21 and a half. But an interesting horse I just want to talk about just for a second here is uh, – Fuziachi is wonderful. I mean, it's got to be somewhat of a mystery <laughs> horse. Whether or not it's this kind of class, I don't know. I guess it's coming in from Puerto Rico because it won the grade three Angel Cordero stakes. That is correct. Uh, Camarero, she's five for five in Puerto Rico. Never lost by less than five lengths. And she ships here and she ends up in Pletcher's Barn. So. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and and what's interesting is is that Todd also trains, of course, um, Kawhi Katie, and traditionally uh, when a trainer has two or more horses uncoupled in the wagering, I usually use the longer price. I got to admit, I'm going to. It would be tough to use this longer price, but then again, you don't know how good this filly is. Like you know, you may have to watch one, but. Yeah, they pay for watching one. You know? Yeah, and it's not like she was bred in Puerto Rico. I mean, she's she's by food she's bag out of a dance brightly mare, but uh, somebody yeah. got a steal there getting this one with only a twelve thousand dollar bid. But exactly. it, it'll be a, it'll be a fun race to watch. But yeah, I'll probably keep my hands in my in my pockets too. Well, uh, what do you say uh, we take a real quick break here on winningponies.com, and we come back, Tom and I will hurriedly uh, go through the Santa Monica and a race named after my first guest of the day, the Van Berg from Fairgrounds. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me now is the news editor, Handy Capper, and... Regular guy himself, Tom Lamara. We're going to break down uh, the Van Berg from Fairgrounds, their last race. But right now, let's go to a grade two race at Santa Anita. Another seven furlong affair. I love this distance. Our friend Gary Stevens will be in the saddle on one of the horses in here. Uh, the Santa Monica grade two. 
Interesting race. I don't know. I, it kind of seems that as, as I'm looking at this, uh, I see Teddy's Promise pop up on a lot of these horses' past performance lines. And then you've got that outside horse, uh, Pink Lollipop, that looks like it's beat a few. Um, which way are you going, Tom? Well, this is a tough race. Um, it's actually extremely competitive. Um, and I'm looking for the morning line favorite, who is actually the morning line. Fa- oh, I'm sorry. The morning line favorite is three to one. Is is a Teddy's promise? Um, Not much of one though, because you got a couple four to one shots in yeah, there. Yeah, there's a couple four to ones in there. This race looks like it could have a lot of speed. Um, and I kind of landed on distracting uh, the two horse trained by Bob Baffert because. The filly had shown speed sprinting, uh, six furlongs. Of course, this is a seven furlong race, but last time out in the Passiana handicap, which was her first, her first race of the year, she won a mile and sixteenth. She showed pretty good speed, uh, six furlongs and one eleven and three. She ended up running second as the favorite. Uh, but I really like horses that stretch out and cut back, I think, when they're sprinters. Right. And uh six to one I like, you know. She does have an inside post, so I think she may need some you know, some um luck, but you know, hopefully the the cutback um will put her further back early and then she'll be able to make a move, at least I'm hoping. Well, those are those are a pretty good odds right there. Again, I kinda like Teddy's promise return to the races for uh, Ron Ellis. Uh had been off since the Breeders' Cup Philly Ameriturf Sprint, where she got really out sprinted after uh, fighting for the lead. Of course, uh, sometimes you got to throw those out, and comes back after a rest and just dominates with a 95 buyer. So mm-hmm. I can understand why she's the slight favorite, but certainly there's a lot of value in here. So uh, as I'm closing in on our, our our time here, let's go uh, let's go way down yonder to New Orleans. And take a look at the newly named Van Berg. Jack Van Berg will be on hand. Kind of different. It's for three-year-olds. I don't know if you're going to see any of these ones uh, trying to come back and stretch out. It's only five and a half, and it's on the turf. A very interesting race. You'll make a a case for most of them in here. I'm kind of leaning towards the horse coming in from Gulfstream out of an optional claiming horse by the name of Party Lad. Yes, Party Lad, uh, you know, Ran on the grass last time. It was uh, his first start on the turf. It was a five-furlong race. Wired the field uh, half in 43-2. and two. Uh, Of course, the course was firm, and they do move pretty well uh, when the course is firm at Gulfstream. But final time, 55-4, and four, and uh, had previously broke his maiden on the dirt at Penn National for Mike Pino. So a very interesting horse. Uh, actually, a very good field. The one thing is this is a turf, or well, this is scheduled for the turf. And again, they, they ran, I think they ran one turf race today and they went off the turf for the rest of the day again. They haven't really, I'm not sure what the deal is with the turf course. So of course we're looking at this race a couple days in advance. One can hope it stays on the turf, but Somebody may end up having to handicap this as a dirt race too. So. All right. Well, listen, I've only got uh, a little time left. Is that going to your selection? Do we both agree on the no, same horse in here? My selection is um, like a Gobby Cat who broke his maiden first start on the grass at Arlington, five furlongs. 
But last time out on the on the dirt uh, on a sloppy track at Fairgrounds, uh, ran a very good second to Malibu High. So I think either way, turf or dirt, I like that horse. All right, thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. That was Tom Lamara, news editor for the Blood Horse. Uh, you can catch him online or subscribe to the Blood Horse. Doesn't have any competition with the Thoroughbred Times. Thanks so much for Tom. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Jack Van Berg again. His book, Jack from Grit to Glory, will be coming out. Thanks to my producer D. For everybody at Winning Ponies, I just want to remind you: bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.